You already know what time it is. Welcome to Raw Mind Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Jones. And this show, man, I'm bringing on guests, man, that are breaking down things, whether it's football, basketball, whatever it may be. And I got my guy, Coach Jay, here, you know, hometown guy from Tarboro from where I met. But, you know, he's a busy man doing extraordinary things, you know, elsewhere in the world. So, Coach Jay, how you doing, man? Hey, great, man. Great. Glad to, glad to be here with you, man, uh, on this awesome show, man. My guy, Prime. So with that being said, before we start, y'all already know, hit my music. You're on time to talk sports with Raw Mind. Game day, who plays with updates of all kinds. From press box to sideline. Who got cut? Who got signed? Who's clutch when it's crunch time? The starting lineup or the pine. These athletes compete, some without even trying. You want a championship? You gotta grind. When them bright lights shine, and this game go nine, they gon' cover the story not quite like Ryan. Exclusive interviews, dudes plug like Mike Line. He's got the inside scoop of why, who got fine? Prime time got the game statistics. I could say if you wasn't at the game, you missed it. But now raw my sports covers the distance. Front row, that's close like a coach's assistant. You wanna be in the know? Eyes open and listen. This is raw my sports, another edition. www.essentialcollections.square.site Again, Essential Collections by Monica Ritz. Amazing products, bath products, facial products, great skincare conditioning. She's going to start having her products in stores coming soon, but I let her decide the great news. With that being said, use the promo code RAWMIND. Use promo code RAWMIND. When you go to her website, you get a 15% discount. So with that being said, Coach J, you're here today. And um, one thing about Coach J, he's going to give his resume. I'm going to let him give his own resume on Raw Mind Sports. We can talk about and break down what he does before we get into, like, a few topics here. Yeah, man. Uh, you know, former former football coach, man. Uh, coach on the defensive side of the ball, high school level. Uh, also worked at a collegiate level as well, man. So, um, you know, I, I love sports, man. I love breaking it down. I uh, love talking about quarterback, defensive back play, um, you know. So, I mean, you know. Football is my is my sport. I also talk some basketball sometimes, but uh, you know, just glad to be here, man, on this great show with you, Prime. And man, this is gonna be a rough show. You know, you know how some people are fans of fans, but we'll get into yeah. that later. And it's hard to be on a podcast, raw thoughts, and talk when you're on the other end of the stick, the bad stick. But that's what comes with the game. That's what comes <laughs> with the game as a fan. So I know people see that thing behind me. You know, yeah, I'm a bang, bang, down again. It's a whole lot I want to discuss. But we're going to start with a few games because O'Shea actually breaks down film and kind of describes to people who don't understand the game. You see it as a fan point, but we're going to give you the raw intellect, the schemes, schematics of things here. And he's going to give you that. Well, I give you my raw thoughts. So we're going to start with the first game, and we're going to talk about game one that we wanted to discuss. Lions versus Ravens this week. You know, the Lions came off, like, on Stephen A's list as number one team in the league from his vague opinion, trying to find a way to keep himself in the middle to give himself leverage. But I, myself, for week seven, picked the – Baltimore Ravens. If people follow me on Instagram, social media platforms, they'll saw that I picked the Ravens over Detroit. Some probably went with Detroit because I the way Detroit's been playing great. But mm-hmm. Coach Jay, I want you to break down what you thought about this game of the Detroit Lions and the Baltimore Ravens. 
All right, so, I mean, looking at the score, the score kind of speaks for itself. I mean, 38 to 6. However, that, that it, it don't tell you everything about the full game here, man. Uh, Lamar balled out. I mean, and one of the one of the big things that I, I looked at when I was looking at the game is what what did the big guys do? The tight ends, Mark Andrews, two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, you, you, it was almost like it was a Mitch match out there, you know. So the the go down in the stats, looking at how things uh, leveled out, total yardage. Baltimore had five hundred yards. All right, Ooh. why is that huge? This is NFL, and you're you're dominating the team in that way. All right. When you think about the passing yards, Detroit, uh, we thought that's that's their strength. They're not a run team, right? They only had 253 yards passing, right? They gave up 357 yards to, um, you know, to the Baltimore Ravens, which they just they're having a turnover in their coaching, right? So they they went from a run style offense to a passing spread style offense. So if you think about that, you know, uh, it takes a little time for that to build. And this is their game where they said, hey, we're going to put it together. And they put it together to one of the league's best. All right. Now, what does that tell you? A 5-1 team coming in. I, I think that Detroit, yes, they're good. But are they that top tier team um, in the conference? I don't think so. I, I think this is who Detroit is going forward. I think this is what you're going to start seeing from them when they play those top tier teams like Baltimore, physical dominating team that can that can defeat you on all three levels offense defense and special teams uh breaking down the rushing yards i mean baltimore dominated 146 yards rushing 146 i mean the only um detroit only had 84 i expected from them they're not a run um style team like that they pretty much predicate off the pass um average yards per play i mean baltimore beat them uh nine to five i mean you if you're getting only five yards per play um, averaging, I mean, you're not going to win a lot of games going like that, you know? And then also uh, looking at uh, there was a, you know, one interception by, uh, by golf as well. So they had, a, had trouble turning the ball over um, and in the game like that, you're playing against Baltimore. You, you can't give the ball away, um, especially with a guy like Lamar Jackson. Then one of the biggest things you look at when, when you're, when you're breaking out teams and the way, how well they play, um, you look at how they're on third down. Third down tells you, are they moving the chains? Are they getting off the field? Um, are they kicking, right? Baltimore, 50%. 50% in the league, you're going to win a lot of games, right? And um, Detroit was 31%. You know, you had 31%, 31% of the time. I mean, you're you're not going to win a lot of games if you can't convert. Time of possession was pretty much easy, uh, even be between both of those teams. But they, they won and lost this game on third down. They couldn't. They couldn't convert and keep drives going uh, while uh, Baltimore Ravens, uh, you know, kept getting them off the field and kept scoring. Yeah, for me, um, he gave y'all guys the real facts. You know, from the eye test, I was thinking, okay, for me, mm -hmm. thinking about it, it may come off this way. Um, Lamar Jackson is an RPO type of guy, quarterback, can run, pass, he can do a lot. You have certain quarterbacks who are pocket pass or certain quarterbacks who are just looser with their athleticism. The reason why the Baltimore Ravens used to win a lot of games is because of his athletic ability. And one thing you don't want to do against Baltimore, which that defense has become better than what, what was predicted at the beginning of the season. They have been playing some good football. People haven't been talking about the defense. They're not elite, elite, but they've yeah. been playing some good football lately, and it's been coming down to the offense to do what they have to do necessarily to get it done. Um. You never want to go down the touchdown or two against Baltimore because now it becomes a tempo game. It's kind of like in high school, like Tarver football. Tarver football goes about two touchdowns, and you got to be able to stop 
their formation, their offensive scheme and the T and trying to stop them from running, it's a long night mm-hmm. because now you're playing from behind. The clock is going to keep ticking. The clock is going to keep moving, and you're still trying to find a way to stop it. So it's like the game, the pace. Once a certain team like Baltimore Ravens control the pace of the game, it's tough to beat them. But if you're neck and neck at the beginning of the game and you're finding ways to to not – they're not – and you're competitive and you're able to score points on them, then it can become an either-way game. But once you go down a couple of touchdowns, oh, it's night now, Irene. I'm playing against a type of team or a system that the Baltimore Ravens have. Now – Jared Goff has been playing some of his best ball because he's not in the big spotlight no more. People don't look at Detroit as a big market. So it's like it's no pressure. It isn't like he was with the L.A. Rams when he had to be under pressure to win games and play in the system of Sean McVay. Now you're playing with Dan Campbell. You can kind of play loose. So, you know, although they're 5-1 and one or 5-2, and two, they're still playing loose. But it's not enough because, like, Jared Goff doesn't give me I'm going to win this game for my team type of vibes. He gives me, I'm just going to do enough to help our team be in position to win. He gives me that. And I think that was the difference in this game that I saw from the from the score. Now, question, raw thoughts. I didn't watch the game. But looking at the score, looking at the highlights, it came off as that's, that happened in that way. But give me your raw thoughts when we go to the next topic, um, Coach Jay. Uh to me, I feel the same way. I don't think he's – to me, golf is not an elite-level quarterback. He's a game manager. He's a guy, when things are going right, he's going to look great. When he faces a tough defense like this Baltimore defense, he's going to struggle because now he's got he's to convert. He's got to move the change. He's got to read the defense. He's got to get from his first, his second, to his third reads. And a lot of times, it's not going to be there. And he's not a runner. He's not a dual-threat guy. So right. once he gets to his reads – it's sad. He don't have no other options. So, you know, that's what Baltimore, that's what's great for Baltimore. Lamar can go through his first, second, third progression, and now he can use his feet. He can move the pocket, all right? He can get outside the pocket, and he can create, or he can also run for it. So, um, you know, it was just, it was too much from Baltimore's side. They got too much talent over there. Um, I, I think they're going to, Baltimore is going to be the top of that AFC uh, division this year. I can see that too. I can see that too. So with that being said, another word from another partner of Raw Mind Sports, Tarver Coffee House. Tarver Coffee House. If you're in Tarver, amazing coffee, smoothies, desserts, even downstairs they have Church Street Tap and Deli. It's the one-stop shop. Coffee or go downstairs and get some amazing food from Church Street Tap and Deli. Use the promo code Raw Mind. Use promo code Raw Mind. Get a 15% discount when ordering online. They have online in a rush. No worries. Tarver Coffee House has you covered. Have it ready for you as soon as you get there if you order online. So with that being said, let's go to the next topic. I want to go to this one. The Buffalo Bills versus the Patriots. Talk about a team that's inconsistent at the moment. And I know people could probably talk about another team. But I want to know what's going on with the Bills. Losing to the Jaguars in London, which I know that's home for London, for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Then they lose like these miscellaneous games. And then just for your spec, like you thought, you know, Buffalo was going to beat the Patriots. And bam, here we are. The AFC East could be interesting. Right now, I don't even know who's going to win the NFC East. Excuse me, the AFC East. It's looking like my pick that I boldly made before some injuries happened. But yeah, tell me about what did you see in this game and what you thought about the numbers. What did the numbers say about Buffalo versus New England? Um, honestly, before I start, Jags, they're, they're no slouch. All right. 
I, I feel like Jazz is going to be a legitimate team this year. You've got uh, Trevor Lawrence coming. He's he's coming. He's unfolding right now. You're seeing the Clemson level. Um, and then you got Travis Etienne. I mean, he's looking better and better each game. So uh, that's a that's a team to look out for. Now, the Jags are not going to be a team you can just run over. Back in, in the past, you can run over them. Etienne, um, you know, he didn't look like the Etienne from Clemson, but that team there, uh, I think they're going to be a problem for some years to come. Now, talking about this Buffalo Bills versus New England, coming in the game, um, this was a one-sided affair. On paper, the Buffalo should have won this by two touchdowns, right? However, we knew what was surrounding New England. They were talking about, hey, moving on from um, their coach, right? Um, they, were, they were also talking about, uh, you know, uh, Matt Jones, can he be the quarterback for the future, right? So when all those things surround you, I feel like that team came together. Um, they wanted to play for their coach. They wanted to prove that, hey, look, guys, we can play, all right? Our record doesn't tell um, how good or how bad we are. Now, as far as the numbers – um, you know, from the actual game, um, you know, as far as yard yard wise, everything looks pretty even. You know, looking at the game, I mean, um, I think that uh, the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen, he didn't play up to the the level that he's capable of playing. You know, a thirteen and three type of team. Um, you know, the way that they played uh, this past Sunday, I feel like they're going to struggle this year. Four and three, yes, they're they're, they're going to struggle a lot this year. Um, converting down, you know, uh, down the end of games. Um, one of the things that stood out for me was a third down efficiency. Okay. Um, uh, in time of possession, um, it was really tight 44 and 41% in third down time of possession, new England. Now this is, this is the, this is the thing here. New England didn't possess the ball as long as Buffalo, but they still pulled the win out at the end. Um, and that's that's key in the NFL. When you possess the ball more, you tend to win. Right. Um, and I, I think Buffalo, in their case, they had they, one of the issues were penalties. All right. They had nine penalties, one more than New England. Um, and I, I think that was one of the things that really held them up as well. Um, looking at looking at the beginning of the game, um, they had a couple punts. All right. They had a couple punts. It was a touchdown um, in the beginning of the game from. Um, from New England, right? Um, they were up early. And I, I think by them being up, it showed that uh, they weren't scared. This wasn't a game that was too big for them. Um, they were prepared. Their coach had them ready. Um, and, you know, you, you think about a one in five team coming in, they didn't play like it. What, what, what do you think about the way that, that New England handled this game and how they, um, how they look early on? I, I, Rothos, I think Belichick just out coached Sean McDermott, and I think the inconsistency of Josh Allen from, from the mm -hmm. eye test proved what it was. Like, Josh Allen could easily be a top-five quarterback in the NFL, but sometimes you, you see top-five quarterback Josh Allen, then you see number 25 quarterback Josh Allen. And this is why, you know, when the, before the season started, when I predicted before Aaron Rodgers' injury, why I predicted the Jets to win the division, that um, – that, yeah, that division – was because of that top five defense in the Jets and how they can move and all they needed was a person to get scoring going on. Zach Wilson end up he's getting better and better as the year goes on. They're still mm -hmm. in the hunt. They're still winning games. It ain't superb like that everybody expected with Aaron Rodgers. But at one time Zach Wilson was just a guy you're like, man, no, we're not going to win games. Now you're actually in a situation where you can win football games. I don't know what I'm gonna get from Josh Allen, man. Um, 
if I was to pick a Super Bowl right now, and even with the team and the season goes on, Bills would not be in it because I don't know what I'm going to get from this Bills team. You know, you got one minute, you got him and Diggs connecting, then the next minute, it's like, what in the world happened? Like, they're very, they are an extremely inconsistent team at this moment. And I don't see them winning the AFC East unless a miracle changes. I really still have the Jets. And right now, of course, Miami is still there. I wouldn't be surprised if the Jets still win this division. And that's just raw thoughts. Now, Belichick has a way of scheming up things, and that's his beauty. He's a defensive guy. Yeah. He's a good leader. He's a defensive guy. Now, if you're talking about X's and O's on offense, that's never been him. But he always had a good quarterback in Tom Brady to lead him to where he doesn't have to worry about the stress levels of offense. Now you have Belichick trying to worry about both sides of the football. Different, which he never really had to do. When he first got the job, Bledsoe got hurt. He didn't necessarily have to worry about them. When Tom Brady gets there, they have these all these coaches coming in. They really know offense from Charlie Weiss to now. Um, O'Brien was there a while back, back in the days, years ago. You have other offensive guys who's been in like Josh McDaniels, guys like that. He never yep. really had to worry about offense because Tom Brady always was kind of connected with his, his uh, offense coordinators, and they kind of had their own way. But the Bills right now, raw thoughts. I just don't know what the Bills got going on. But I know what it ain't got going on is they are not going to be in the Super Bowl. That was I don't think so either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't it, it, do you so do you think it's the receiving core or do you think it's all on the quarterback? Or or could it be some could it be the run game or, or front? What do you think? What do you think their their primary deficiency is right now that's holding them back? For me personally, okay. So when I you know, certain things go for certain things. Certain people go for certain people. Certain offenses go for certain offenses. Mm -hmm. You know, Josh Allen, regardless of a good receiver core or not, when you look at him, people look at him, he could be an elite quarterback. This ain't Jimmy Garoppolo. This ain't Jared Goff. This ain't uh, maybe Geno Smith. Okay. Um, certain Those guys get a pass when you don't have elite talent around you, if that makes sense. Because you're not expecting them to lead a team. Well, you got guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, yep. um, and Rodgers, you know, healthy. Guys like that, you expect them to will you to victory because of who they are. You know, no matter what, Justin Herbert possibly could be in that category, maybe, even though it's not working. Um, so you put Josh Allen in that tier of elite quarterbacks, no matter who you got, they're expecting him to get it done, you know. Lamar Jackson may be in that category. You expect him to get victories done because of who he is. So it's mm -hmm. not about the talent. You still got Diggs, and you still got Josh Allen. And the running back is kind of like running back by committee. It's not no star power at the running back position. So when I look at that, I look at, like, nobody's going to give Josh Allen that excuse. Like, you're supposed to be an elite quarterback. You got to get it done on the offensive end. You got to stop turning over the football. You got to make the smart decisions. We expect you to be in this. If you're in this tier of quarterbacks, you have to get that done. Now, yeah. could they have more weapons? Maybe. But, you know, Patrick Mahomes, they really have no weapons. And he just got McCole Harden back, but they still been winning football games. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's been dealing with drops and still find a way to win games. So when you put him in this category, what the, what the big media is putting Josh Allen in that category, they expect him to perform no matter what's around him, if that makes sense. Honestly, I, you're right. I mean, he's under he, he's underperforming. You think about 
uh, you've got he's got some talent on the offensive side of the ball. You know, uh, now do they need more talent? Yes, I think they need to bring in another receiver to offset Stephon Diggs. You think about Buffalo style of play, right? They don't have a real existent run game. Now they can run the ball, right? So if I'm a defensive coordinator, I'm putting six in the box, right? Four back, four linemen, two backers. I'm playing coverage, right? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. My thing is, I'm gonna dare them to run the ball, right? I'm gonna dare them to run the ball, um, and I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, hey, listen, we're gonna, we're gonna potentially bring some pressure here and there, but uh, the way that they're playing, Josh Allen right now, I mean, uh, they're playing right into, you know, their his favor. So um, if I'm, if I'm Buffalo right now, I'm trying to lean more in the run game. You know what I mean? I'm trying to upgrade my running back, get, bring somebody else in. James Cook, I mean. Latavius Murray, I mean, he's on his way out, but um, they need the, they need more in the run game. If they want to, if they want to win down a the stretch, they're going to have to get better than that. In this game, James Cook, thirteen carries, fifty-six yards, uh, no touchdowns. Your primary back don't score. That's that's a red flag. <laughs> Ooh, and that's raw thoughts there. So um, that's another one, man. Um, uh, again, we're gonna go to the next topic, but before we go to the next topic. I want to make sure everybody understands. Did I do it? Uh, here we go. If it comes up. Okay. Oh, wrong thing. I didn't hit the wrong. There we go. Bungo. All right. And I got to go to the topic I want. I can't even get it out. But by the way, make sure you guys um, subscribe to all content podcasts. Let's go to this game here. I think I got it right. I'm over here. Raw thoughts. One thing about raw mind, raw thoughts. You always get some glitches here and there. So this is what we um what we do. And yeah, it's all good. So here we go. Miami versus Philadelphia Eagles. And this was an interesting game for me. Um it was it was intriguing from a, a raw standpoint. But go ahead. What were your thoughts on this game? And what what, what did the numbers say? All right. So this game right here. Uh, this is a playoff type of game right here, man. Miami, uh, this is their real test right here. If you wanna, if you wanna be the best, you gotta beat the best, right? Um, and looking at Philly, they're in that top tier. They're up there with uh, with KC. You know, if if you want to say, hey, uh, like Miami, we haven't done too much lately. You know, um, prove that you can be dominant. You gotta beat these games right here, right? So honestly, I, I thought this was gonna be one of those games where. Uh, Miami's probably scored in the high 30s. Um, they dropped 70. I mean, 70 against Denver. So after that, you know, we were thinking, hey, man, are they a, are they as good as that point total show? All right. Versus uh, the Eagles, it proved they're not physical. They're not physical at all. Um, and I think if they want to win a lot of games this year and uh, progress farther in the playoffs, they need to be physical. All right. Um, teams that win and go far in the playoffs, they can pass the ball, but they can be physical at the point of attack, and they also can run the ball consistently. All right, they don't have to lean on a lot of gadget plays, a lot of misdirection, and things like that to get the eyes of the defenders looking. They can run straight at you downhill. Um, and looking at the numbers, I mean, uh, Philly, I mean, they dominated 355 yards total. Uh, Miami 244. I mean, this is a this is a team that just dropped 70 a few weeks ago now. And this is an NFL. I'm thinking 
if we drop 70 against a team, that means we totally dominated them, okay? So, but what does it also mean? That means they showed a lot on film, right? So if I'm a coach and I see that 70-point game, I'm like, hey, look, let's break down every single thing. They don't, have, they shouldn't have too much left in the, in the tank after dropping 70, all right? A lot of teams, when they drop 40 and 50, they'll scale back and they won't show much more, right? Um, but I, I think they, I think the Dolphins have showed their hand on film a lot. And, and that's why you're seeing after that game, a lot of teams are matching up better with them because they seem pretty much what uh, the Dolphins can bring to the table. Now, when you look at the rushing yards, 99 from Philly, 45 from uh, Miami, um, it, they've got to, they've got to run the ball more. I don't know if they need to go out there, um, a power back or they need to go out there somebody else, but what they're getting out of the run game right now is not enough. You need to rush for at least 100 yards. You can't just rush for 45 yards and expect to win games right. by two or through the air. Um, you know, in the turnover margin, um, Philly, they of course, he had uh, one fumble loss, one interception uh, thrown as well. Um, they didn't win the turnover battle, um, but they didn't need to. Um, they also didn't win the third down efficiency. I mean, they were 33% in third down. Um, you know, but Philly handled on, on key downs, they handled their business, um, you know, and, and they also ruled the time of possession. And that's key right there. Uh, 36 minutes to 23 minutes. You know, there was a lot of um, a lot of long drives. I mean, I'm looking at uh, second quarter, four minutes and 34 seconds uh, touchdown six in the second quarter. Again, 13 plays, 649. When you want to when you want to dominate, you've got to keep the ball and have long sustained drives. And, and that's basically what the Eagles did. They had a lot of those uh, drives where they were going, uh, you know, 10 play. Uh, they had another 15 play, six minute drive in the fourth quarter. That's how you're going to win games in the NFL. Before the, before the fourth quarter started, um the Dolphins had an opportunity to get back in this game. You know, um, they uh, they ended up having a 10-play, three-minute, 54-drive interception. And that that right there cost them right there. If they didn't have the interception, they probably would have won this game. But, you know, um, the Eagles are 6-1 the, the for a reason. They're, they're a very good football team. Um, I think they're going to – they might be back in the Super Bowl this year. You know, they've got a great, talented defense. Um, and the numbers show, I mean, they're going to, they're, be they're a better overall team, more physical team. They're built for the playoffs. Yeah. I say the same thing about Philly. Um, the thing with the Miami Dolphins, man, like the, I know you were talking about the time of possession, like they're a fast paced team. Miami Dolphins reminds yeah. you a little bit of the Baltimore Ravens too. Like they're a type of team that, that fast, fast, quick. One thing about it, they can handle your punches. If the Miami Dolphins can handle your punches. And they can get some some points on the board. You're in trouble early because it's yeah. so much speed, 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 speed. But now, if it's a physical game, just being honest, raw thoughts. As in Super Bowl watching, you would love to see the Miami Dolphins in the Super Bowl because uh, it's gonna be elusive. It's an offensive game. It's quick. It's fast. It might be a good good for people to watch. Yeah, but it'd be a great offensive show. <laughs> right, right, right. But the truth be told, raw thoughts. I like Vin, I like Vic Fangio a lot. 
he's probably got a, a, a year or two, and, and he's still trying to get acclimated with his 3-4 and putting his guys in place and stuff like that as a defense coordinator. Mike McDaniel came from San Francisco, so I get it. He's always been a need-for-speed guy. But this team don't match up well if it's a team that's physical and can wear them down. Mm-hmm. Like now, don't get it twisted. I think they can score with anybody in the league if they could get there, but they but they have key things like injuries and physicality and teams like the way down the playoffs, the game, it's just like in basketball, the game slows down. It's about physicality. Can mm-hmm. a team beat you physically? And you know, Philadelphia is one of those teams that are that can have the tush push and they have physical receivers, yep. you know, and they can get it done. And I think that's what happened with the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins can have those moments where they can score 70 and then it all depends on the matchups, like the physicality. I like Miami Dolphins. I think people would like to see them in the Super Bowl. They can score points, but if they can't stop nobody, if they can't stop nobody, that's what wears it down. And then it's like a, a hurry up fast pace. Again, like you were talking about the time. Like yep. they play so fast, it gives them lesser minutes on possessions. So that's that part. Philadelphia-wise, they're winning ugly, but they're still winning. So I see them in the NFC Championship. They're still winning ugly. Now, whoever gets the number one seed, we don't know. We still got a whole season. We don't know if they can lose to Dallas or they can lose a couple games in the division. Them in Washington always go at it kind of tough, even though Washington is not playing well. You know, they still got a few more games. You still got some teams to play in um, – NFC West, they got the San Francisco 49ers on their schedule, regardless of what happened yesterday. And they still got Seattle. I think they still have to play Seattle unless I got it wrong. But um, I might be wrong. I, I don't know for sure. But um, I really do, you know, see Philadelphia being with that. They just picked up Bayard from um, Tennessee Titans. So they're, they're, they're making up. the right moves. Right, right. So And I think they made that personal move. I'm going to give it to you, raw thoughts right here. Mm-hmm. They made that move. Not for just the Super Bowl, they made that move for the San Francisco 49ers. And I'm saying that, not trying to say it biasly, because the San Francisco 49ers are the team that could possibly beat Philadelphia regardless on that A game. I'm probably the yeah. only team that people that the Philadelphia Eagles are scared of in the NFC. And that's yeah. just raw thoughts. I think that's the only team they're really scared of in the NFC. And they know if everybody's healthy, they got to find ways. It's always a matchup problem or mismatch. Although in the regular season, I look at it like this team's going to lose games in the regular season. But when the playoffs come, that's where you get everybody's best because they know they got to fight and they got to win the fight or they die. I mean, they going out the door. They 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 exiting the playoffs, and that's a different type of beast in the playoffs. The 49ers always lost games, you know, during the regular season. But when the playoffs come, they always end up in the NFC Championship. Win or lose the NFC Championship, they're always there. So they know they probably going to have to see a team like that consistently because the 49ers are a playoff team. They just, I mean, they they get far in the playoffs. They may not got to the Super Bowl. They were they got to the Super Bowl before. They may not won the Super Bowl, but they're always there. So Philadelphia's game style is not the prettiest, but it it, it gets it done. And at the end of the day, it's all about wins. We're thinking about a hit coach who just lost his two coordinators from last season, who are now coaches. One in Indy, one is in Arizona. So you know you, you're still rebuilding, trying to figure the nucleus, and still trying to keep the same stuff intact. And Philadelphia is just a very physical team, and that's why I got from them, man. They got the um the 49ers of the South, South Beach. The the the, the Miami Dolphins are a fast-paced team, mm-hmm. and they have to score like ASAP. Like, and hopefully, if they can score on you before you can score on them, 
Yeah, they can get a few stops in the game because I'm not expecting the Miami Dolphins defense to be shut down. I'm I'm looking at the Miami Dolphins defense to get key stops or a few stops or make a few gambles, and they and these gambles come out perfect their way, then they can run the score, but they can find a way to win the game, and that's what happened. Um, some key drops. I know it feel like that it was a lot of key situations. People talking about the referees and stuff like that. The Miami Dolphins did have plenty of opportunities to beat they the did. Philadelphia Eagles. It's just that this is how the Eagles win. They win ugly games. It ain't perfect. It ain't beautiful. It ain't a massacre. They win games like this, and which is good for Philadelphia because this is what helps in the playoffs, winning muggy, sloppy, tough games. But that's all I got for that. What's your all thoughts before we go to the next one? Yeah, yeah. Miami, just as you said, man, listen – Miami, they're just like they're a track meet, right? They're they're trying to get out there and out athlete you, all right? Um, they're they're a fast paced team. Uh, we we used to call a team like that NASCAR. They they NASCAR NASCAR. Uh, they're getting to the line of scrimmage, um, going as fast as they can. They use a lot of eye candy, um, Tyreek Hill flashiness um, to get the backers moving, the safeties rolling, um, and and that's what they are, right? But when it comes to having to play against a physical um, stout team, well-coached team, they can't do it because they can't lean on the run. And we, you think about this, right? We go late in January, um, cold situations or rainy situations. How is Miami going to fare, um, you know, in, in the weather, all right? Um, can they lean on the run? I don't think so. You know, so um, I, I think this is something that Miami is going to have to, they're going to have to, they're going to have to go to the drawing board and figure out, when we play against these physical teams, playoff teams, uh, Super Bowl contention type team, and we got to establish the run and we got to be physical, what, what, how are we going to counter that? All right. This game showed that they can't counter it right now. If they're going, if they're going to prove that um, they're going to be one of those teams that's going to be um, the last two, the last four in an NFC or AFC championship, they're going to have to figure that out. Yeah, and, and that's what I, I thought about. So we're going to go to the next one, man. Again, show is sponsored by Central Collection by Monica Ritz. Central Collection by Monica Ritz. Use the promo code RAWMIND. Use promo code RAWMIND. You get a 15% discount. Again, handmade products, bar soaps, facial, skin conditioner, liquid soaps. I mean, we have she has the whole brand, you know, seductress. She got some buttery baby for, for the women who need to um, want to, you know, leave that mark on whoever they dealing with that's just my raw thoughts whoever they dealing with is their business but they're gonna try to leave that mark that that seductious stuff they got i think that's what it's called yeah raw thoughts but uh anyway uh that's it right there now we got one more topic we got two more topics we got one more game topic then we got another topic that's what i want to call it here we go here we go whoo and bad as i want to put this on the screen but here we go the Niners versus the Minnesota Vikings. Hey, I think the, the Niners played the Tarbahai Vikings the way they played last night. But go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> they dominant. <laughs> oh. Oh, it was a rough night for me last night. I think the world, like Stephen, they get beat up by the Cowboys. I think the world was after me when it comes to the to the 49ers. But, but what are your raw thoughts about that game before I dive into a few things I have to say about this game? Oh man, this is it's a tough one, man. It was it was San Fran game to lose, all right. They everything uh everything was pointing to them at the beginning of the game. You come out first drive interception, 
instant red zone trip right there. Um, I, I think, you know, they, they played a conservative gave McCaffrey to carry, but I would have took a shot to the end zone, you know? Um, but Hey, at the end of the day, uh, San Fran, this defense should have stepped up, but, um, I think it was, it was one of those matchups where, uh, you're going against a team that's two and four and you're, you're thinking, Hey man, we're, we're five and one. I mean, they, Minnesota Vikings have been struggling. I think we're going to roll through this one. They were probably looking past this game. Um, they really probably wasn't taking it serious that they should have. Um, but Kirk Cousins, I mean, he played, he absolutely balled out. I saw a confident Kirk Cousins, a guy stepping in the pocket, um, anticipating throws, um, you know, and I, I think really, honestly, uh, breaking down the quarterback play, uh, from the other side, Brock Purdy. I mean, he had quick – they had him going quick reads. I mean, when I say quick reads, as soon as he was hiking the ball, first first target, first read, he was going to it. I mean, uh, stepping in the face of pressure. Um, now, one thing I can say about him, he had a few high throws, okay, um, probably because he was probably throwing off his back foot. Um, but he had a few high throws, and that last interception at the end of the game was a high throw. He's a Now, Brock Purdy is a great – uh, anticipator. So he anticipated a receiver and where he was going to be at. You saw, if you look at, go back and look at that play, the receiver was held up, right? So in one sense, that's where the receiver should have been at, right? However, um, because he was held up, he threw off the time on that play and he overthrew the receiver slightly. Um, but yeah, just, just kind of looking at um, you know, uh, breaking down a little more, I, I love the way Kirk Cousins showed pocket uh, awareness, all right? In, in prior games, he probably got sacked in a lot of those situations, right? But I've seen him step into the pocket, eyes down the field, and locate second and uh, third uh, receivers down the field, all right? He showed a lot of accuracy, great consistency. If, if we get this Kirk Cousins every week right now, this is going to be a deep playoff-style team right here. And then you match it up against the run game. I mean, you know, they were just bringing backs after backs last night. I was I was impressed on what they were doing, you know, in the backfield. I mean, you think about uh, Madison had 39 yards. It, it looked like he had more than that. And then also Cam Akers. You got two guys you can lean on right there. Um, you know, Akers was a, was, a, was a key guy down there in the, at the Rams. So I think what they have, they have talent. They just, I think they can continue to build upon this. I think the, the Vikings, uh, they're going to be a, a serious contender, even though they're three and four right now. Knocking off San Francisco is huge and the way they did it. Now, I know you've seen that big uh, uh, touchdown down the field, uh, grab it straight out of, out of DB's hand. That Now, that right there, that was a, <laughs> that was a big time moment, you know, uh, for him, you know, having the ball stripped away from him. Uh, early in the game, I think that was one of his one of the situations where he's saying, "Hey, I'm I'm going to make up for this," and you know, um, but just just kind of diving into the numbers, uh, looking at you know how either the, the team fair fared here. Uh, Minnesota, I mean, they they balled out on yards. They had a 452 yards. Um, San Fran 325. Um, you know, they they out they out did them in the passing yards, rushing yards. Um, per play, they were they were seven year average seven yards per play for Minnesota and six for San San Fran. Um, I think one of the biggest parts of the game was the turnovers. Uh, San Fran had three, 
you know, and it's going to be hard to win games when you're plus two in the turnover margin and you're playing against a uh, offense that was just clicking on all cylinders last night. Uh, third down efficiency, Minnesota ruled out on 61% to 55 that's another key thing as well. Then, and, and when you when you look at another big one here is time of possession. Okay, uh, San Fran had a lot of uh, short possessions, right? Um, so what I'm looking at uh, here, uh, Minnesota had 34 minutes of possession to San Francisco 25. Uh, Minnesota had a few. Yeah, they had a few. They had a six minute drive in the first quarter, seven minute drive in the second quarter, right? Uh, and then let's see, let's go down here a little further. And then they had a five minute drive in the third quarter. And then they follow up with a four minute drive, two four minute drives in the full quarter, right? So when your defense can't get off the field like that and you extend drives, even if you don't score, you're taking time off the clock where that other team now, when they get the ball, they have to maximize and capitalize every single time they get the ball. You know, um, a couple missed field goals in this game. Um, I think, honestly, if San Fran had capitalized in the red zone their first drive and also, you know, didn't miss that field goal, this could have been their game. This was this was their game to lose right here. Whew. So for me, raw thoughts, raw thoughts. So, um, man, look at that. We'll start with Brock Purdy. All right. So for one, let, let, me, let me take it back. Kirk Cousins, man. Kyle Shanahan's been loving Kirk Cousins since he drafted him in Washington, although he wanted him first. He didn't want RG3. RG3 discussed <laughs> this a while back on the podcast. So they were forced to, I guess, RG3 said they were forced to draft him because Dan Snyder wanted RG3. They wanted Kirk Cousins. So Kirk Cousins is, is if Kirk Cousins will be available next season, raw thoughts ahead of time. They're not saying it will happen. If Brock Purdy don't produce or things don't happen the rest of this season, I would not be surprised if Kirk Cousins is the quarterback for San Francisco 49ers. I'm putting it out there early on this podcast. I'm letting everybody know, so don't be fooled because Kyle Shanahan, Raw Thoughts, has been trying to get Kirk Cousins for the past two years. Couldn't get enough value. It didn't work out. He was trying to trade stuff. He didn't want to afford losing certain key pieces for him. But he's Raw Thoughts, he's been actively trying to get Kirk Cousins. Now he's a free agent. He's free, he's free on the market. So if, if he's free on the market next season and Brock Purdy doesn't win a Super Bowl or get them to the Super Bowl, then if Brock Purdy gets them to the Super Bowl, or let's say they win the Super Bowl this season, 49ers win the Super Bowl, then all bets off because you just can't just go after Kirk Cousins and you got Brock Purdy there. He didn't lead you to a Super Bowl. He's younger. He's mm -hmm. cheaper. It makes more sense if Brock mm -hmm. Purdy gets for that. Um, that's one. For another, number two, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy's still a good quarterback, man. I mean, in life, Patrick Mahomes had bad games. Justin Herbert had bad games. Brock Purdy, the thing with the 49ers is, you know, when they score 30 points, the 49ers are undefeated under Brock Purdy. The past two games have been 19 and, well, take it back, it might be 17. Matter of fact, both games were 17 points. Might have been last two games. They, they scored 17 points both games. And both games came from something that happened in the turnover, a field goal miss. Jake Moody missed some field goals. They had a couple of fumbles, um, a few penalties. But the last game, last um, week game against the Browns, this is how it happened before they, when they lost. It was all offensively. The 49ers, regardless P.J. Walker, not only gave up 85 passing yards, 
49ers also got defense got two interceptions, and the 49ers defense didn't give up not one touchdown. And they still lost because offensively they just couldn't do nothing because Cleveland schematically and, and stats and numbers have the best defense number-wise since the 70s is what they said, mm-hmm. over the Legion of Boom and over um, the 2000 Ravens, which is wild still. It's crazy Impressive. how numbers can, really, <laughs> right, numbers can really prove you wrong if you really, no matter how much you talk, no matter how good a team is. Um, that's one. And for two – for what I've been seeing the past today and last night, that game with the touchdown you were talking about that was snatched, mm-hmm. like guys are really not without saying it directly. They're basically saying like they're they're not happy with Steve Wilkes' defensive play calling. With all due respect, I'm beloved for Steve Wilkes from North Carolina, and I think he's a good defense coordinator. Guys are saying this in the interview. They're saying it like this. Okay, you know, since we've been here, they'll say. We only been rushing four. So I say under Robert Salah, D'Amico Ryan's, we only been rushing four. This is kind of new to us to be blitzing multiple players. So what they're saying is they're risking it all on defense this season, blitzing more people, which is causing them to look bad compared to just rushing only four and putting seven in pass coverage or putting seven. Maybe here and there they'll say, like, Fred Warner will be able to rush in on certain coverages, but everybody else will usually be back in passing. So these past few years have been like bend on break. We're going to rush. We're going to just get after you with four guys and let these guys get after it, and we're going to take away your passing. They say, and now recently it's been a whole lot of extra blitzing from corners to linebackers, a lot of that. They really don't like his system. And I've seen, you know, Bosa come out and say it. I even seen Kyle Shanahan say it. They were like, what happened? They're like, we called an all-out blitz. And he was basically like, we called an all-out blitz. I didn't like the call. That's what basically Kyle Shanahan said. So when I see this team and I see them losing, the, the beginning of the season, they was kind of in that same system. Mm-hmm. Now these past two games, they've been doing a little bit more under Steve Wilkes, and he's sending the house, or he's sending more blitzing, and they're not really happy with it. They'd rather just get past coverage sacks compared to trying to hope you can get a sack on a quarterback. And that's what's been eating them alive because now you allow them, if they don't get to the quarterback – it allows them to find an open guy and it puts you in a bad situation. So those are the things they have been like literally talking about this whole day. Honestly, even though it's been seeming like it's been bad, they feel like the defense has been doing something different and they don't like how Steve Wilkes is doing it. They talk about they're going to change it. Maybe they'll change. They got Cincinnati this week. Now the 49ers are really good. One of the reasons why they're really good because of the weapons they have. Debo Samuel didn't play, which is cool. They're still a D team. But you want to have – you don't want to put your quarterback – the 49ers system for the past few years has never been about the elite quarterback. It's been about the Kyle Shanahan system. Raw thoughts I'm saying here right now. If Kyle Shanahan have ever had an elite quarterback like Patrick Mahomes or Aaron Rodgers, nobody talks about Kyle Shanahan's offense. They talk about the quarterback sure. play of those two guys. Kyle Shanahan has been predicated over these years outside of Matt Ryan, who actually fit in what he was doing, in Atlanta, it's always had an average Joe quarterback. He never had nobody that was superb. All his quarterbacks, when people talk about, like, he need a quarterback, he need a quarterback. Kyle Shanahan never had a good quarterback. I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants the elite quarterback, because the elite quarterback can audible out of his offense, change up stuff. He wants a guy who runs his system. Mm-hmm. This team is really built perfectly for Brock Purdy to be the facilitator, get the ball to the open guys, because he has so much talent around him. You're not really asking Brock Purdy to change the game 
and be overachieving or take risks because the system is set up to all these star players from Kittle to Brandon Ayu to Chris McCaffrey to Debo Samuel to get open. Somebody out of those four, those are Pro Bowl players. One of those four going to be open on a play. No matter what play it is, you're going to be able to find one of those guys getting separation. So your job is just to find one of them and let them do the rest. Yep, yep. That, and that's what they're getting away from because now they're playing comeback because the defense is – they're so used to these past few years, the defense getting all the shutdowns, shutting down everything, taking away a team's offense, which the 49ers defense has been doing for years, and now the offense don't really have to do but so much. Now they have a new scheme that's coming in under Steve Wilkes. And Steve Wilkes is sending a lot of blitzes. Now you're forced to play comeback. Or now the defense mm-hmm. take a chance to where they're hoping the offense can help them. That's been the issue. It's been a little reverse road. Like the offense has just been in manage mode. Now you have a defense because the defense can stop folks. Now it's like the defense is taking more risks under a new defense coordinator. And now it's putting the 49ers making it look like they have to like put up way more points on offense. And that's the thing. The first five games, it was 30 points or more of the 49ers because the defense was getting those stops, giving rest. They was getting rest, honestly. They was getting a lot of rest. Now the 49ers aren't getting those stops, and they're sending more pressure. I don't know if it's offensive line-wise, but truth be told, I'm glad it's happening now from a mental standpoint because the 49ers, the 49ers, in order to get to the Super Bowl, they need to go through adversity. They need to, have to go through this. And I think this is the right time to go through it better now than later. So do I still think 49ers going to the Super Bowl? Yes, I do. I really feel like that. And not on the bias level because I feel like I think I think Kyle Shanahan and when Nick Bosa speak, all that money they gave him, mm-hmm. I'm quite sure if he speaks, he says something like that in the press conference, like we're blitzing so many people. I'm not used to this and we're used to just blitzing four. His words matter. You gave all this yeah. money. This man held out. So I think, right, he's going to – his words mean a lot, which means they're probably going to give a talk to Steve Wilkes to change that approach and go back to that. And maybe they're going to adjust that because that's not working. I think the, uh, a few other guys on defense have been like – outside of Fred Warner because he's just a natural athlete – have been kind of like saying a few words. You know how you word stuff? But yeah. don't really have to be direct. It's kind of coming like that because they don't want to embarrass Steve Wilson. So come out like we're taking away. Viking wise, Kirk Cousins played amazing. Kyle Shanahan probably the biggest cheerleader was probably on the other team. Kyle Shanahan, even though he's a coach, <laughs> probably excited because in his mind, that's why I want Kirk Cousins. That's why I want yeah. Kirk Cousins without saying it to the public, not saying it to the team. But from a mind standpoint, this is the first time I ever seen Kyle Shanahan give credit to a quarterback. All the quarterbacks you done played for Patrick Mahomes and them. I never seen him give so much credit to a guy like Kirk Cousins because he wants Kirk Cousins. I've seen other quarterbacks that played better than Kirk Cousins in, in seasons of the past. He's never gave credit to them like he has. We've seen Aaron Rodgers at a great day. Mm-hmm. Never seen, even though the 49 shut him down defensively, we never seen him um do that. He's he's really hype. He's low, is what we say in our world. He's low-key hype. And really wants Kirk Cousins, but it all depends on the situation. But he also knows he got to win football games. But that's all I got for that part. Go ahead before we all go to our next time. Gotcha, man. I'm I'm right with you uh, offensively. Um, you know, I think that um, San Fran, I mean, they were down a guy, you know, so um, kind of show their hand a little bit, you know, um, having to play from behind two interceptions in the fourth quarter. Um, that's not Brock Purdy's style of play. You know, um, he's not a guy that's going to be forcing balls in tight windows. 
he's going to be taking quick reads, uh, one, two progression. Uh, maybe you scramble out, find a guy, um, scramble drill. Um, but he's not a prototypical, uh, you know, a Mahomes type of guy who's reading, going through his first, second, third, fourth progression, um, you know, down the field, you know, and he's, I feel like seriously, he's a, he's a system quarterback, as you said. Now, what I don't understand on the defensive side of the ball is when you have those guys up front, you have the front four um, that San Fran have, you don't have to bring pressure. You know, I, I think that the defensive coordinator, um, he's caught up of thinking it's, it could be two things, right? When, when you bring pressure, um, you bring a lot of pressure. It's either because you have a solid secondary on the back end, right? Or you have a weak front uh, front four. Now, they have a strong front four, so you don't have to bring pressure like that. So it could tell me that maybe their back end could be weak. So they're trying to offset it, get the ball out of the quarterback's hand quicker. So if I had a bad secondary, you know, I would bring pressure, of course, but you don't bring pressure um, as much as they're bringing pressure. You, you want to play coverage a lot now because you think your front four can get after the quarterback, especially you got a guy like Bosa. Uh, if I got both on my on my team, I'm if I'm going to bring them to bring five. Right. Or, you know, periodically. But I'm going to let those front four get to the quarterback and we're going to play uh, coverage on the back end, man. And, and without Debo on the lineup, without the I'm sorry, without um, Debo in the lineup and you knew you were going to get a lot of from the offense. I, I'm, I'm sitting back playing coverage, playing against a guy, Kirk Cousins. Um, we're going to play. We're going to be bend but don't break. Uh, everything is going to be over the top and we're going to rally down. So I, I don't understand that play call when they left their receiver and DB one-on-one. I think it may be because of the first All drive. Blitz. Right. Yeah. It could have been because blitz. of, it could have been because of the first drive and how physical the DB was with the receiver, you know? And then when you look at, when you go back and look at the play, the DB got beat, he got beat. So he was, he was kind of, he was in phase a little bit when he, when he, when he was trying to catch the ball, but the, the receiver was on the upfield shoulder. So if that ball was uh, a yard or two out, that I mean, we're not talking about the um, DB grabbing the ball or trying to get the ball from the receiver. We're talking about a clear a clear touchdown possibly. You know, but the ball was a little behind the receiver. DB had a hand on the ball, um, grabbed the way. But I, honestly, I, I think that they need to go back to the basics. If you're going to have – if you're going to have a system quarterback, right – and is he's not going to be he's going to be a game manager. Now you've got to play a little more conservative on your back end, right? Uh, instead of being so aggressive, I think they're going to. I would think they would make those changes. Your big guys coming out going against the system in that way, you want them to be comfortable, you know. And um, I think they. I think they're, they're they have talent. They have the guys that, that make it happen. Um, but you know, but I, I'm excited to see how much of a change they're going to make on the back end after this game right here. And yeah, and by the way, the trade trade deadline is coming up. Who knows? They might be looking for a DB. I I rather one DB like me and my guy was talking about. Hear me now? Can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you now. I can hear you now. So it's one trade line on Debbie. That was a little malfunction, people. Um, 
you know, everybody's talking about DB, but it's one DB I want. That's Patrick. That's the only thing that's added back there. You know, I like looking at the game last night. This all our blessing, which needs to stop. Go back to the regular. And mm-hmm. we need another DB to um outside that, you know, Oliver's a great nickel. Um, Tupalaga is a great safety. Gibson is a great safety. It's not the safeties. Mooney Ward, the money ward can be, as we saw, he's supposed to be our big pay corner who's you know, look pretty bad these past few weeks, you know. So well, well, last night definitely he looked he didn't look great. And Lenore, he's a gambler, but he's not great either. So he's good enough for now, but not good enough to say I want to keep him. If Patrick Sertain is with the San Francisco 49ers, this defense is about to get back to real form. And I'll tell you that, and I don't care what it is to get him, whatever, second, third round, whatever. You've been making a lot of deals. You got Randy Gregory coming in. By the way, Randy Gregory has been playing playing great for the San Francisco 49ers in his past rest. So it's not even him. He's not even the problem. Um, he's doing great on us because he's in a good team. But with that being said, uh, I just decided to see what's going to happen these next few games. They got Cincinnati coming up. So we'll see how that, that goes. And we got one more topic here before we go. Let me, go ahead. Let me, let me jump on this before we, we leave this, okay? Um Looking at the, the Vikings roster, right, and looking at who they had, nobody jumps out, right, to me to say, hey, ball out, ball out. They should have, you know, uh, stayed afloat with San Fran. This is that KC type of deal where it's a bunch of dudes at receiver and your quarterback just elevated them. I'm looking at uh, last night yards totals, right? Jordan Addison, 123 yards. USC. I mean, good. he's a good kid. He's a good player, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, TJ Hawkinson. Um, this, I mean, mm. listen, this this tells me when the Niners go against elite level talent receivers, how are they going to fare? Uh, if they're if they're giving up uh, yard totals like this to TJ and Addison, I mean, what are they going to do if they ever play Jamar Chase or? Uh, some of the big leads we got them Sunday, the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals. So you just poke it up, playing against Jamar Chase and T Higgins. Oh boy, we gotta get our popcorn ready. You didn't already got me already on alert mode, but go ahead. But uh, yeah, listen, listen, I, I it spells trouble if you got guys who are not the ace receivers, which. I don't think Addison would be an ace receiver on that on that Bengals team if he was there. He was probably a third or fourth option. Right, right. And you got these guys balling out like this. It, it might it might spell trouble. They're gonna have to get their guys off island um, and stop sending all this pressure. Let's play some coverage. Uh, let's keep guys in front of us. It's gonna be a long game if they play this style of football versus the Bengals. And you know Joe Burrow. I mean, he can throw that rock. No doubt about that. With that being said, on our last time before we get off of Raw Mind Sports here, here we go. Here we go, people. Here we go. Uh, Raw Thought Sports Minute. reason why I put Raw Thought Sports Minute is I said usually because I had a guy coming here. He started talking about some random stuff in life, and I don't even know how we got off topic, but it's a Raw Mind Sports Minute. So Raw Thoughts for a Minute, this is something that's random, off the head, whatever you want to discuss, your Raw Thoughts Minute in – sports so here we go real raw thoughts minute starts now all right so my raw my raw sports minute is on michigan football come on michigan what are we doing here guys i mean 
right now sign stealing if we're gonna if we're gonna steal signals and we're gonna do it the right way at least don't have the guy going to other teams using his name and being in the stadium you know uh as a employee with a camera pointing at the opposing sideline you just don't do that if you're gonna steal signs signals do it a little differently don't have the sign stealer posted beside the head coach on the sideline or the coordinators you can't do that you know i know that listen sign stealing has been going on for so many years on it's on every level you know, it's not as prevalent as you see like this. They're not as blatant with it, but it, it happens. I mean, you know, um, guys can pick up those signals very easily. A lot of teams, what they'll do is when you play against them, they'll they'll either have a, a dummy signal, they have a, a main signal caller, a dummy signal caller, or you may even have a all-line caller. Um, maybe you have a receiver, a guy who's uh, giving out protections, things like that, and then you have a dummy guy, right? Um, so you'll, you'll see that sometimes, and some teams use signs. But come on, man! It, it, if you guys are gonna do it, at least at least cover it up or so, man. Come on, that's <laughs> <It was> bad. Wrong <laughs> uh, thoughts, minute for me. Um, it's kind of split for a quick minute. Steve Wilkes, get it together. You got a really good defense. You probably never had defense like this before. Don't mess this up. It's like getting the best the best thing since apple pie or whatever your favorite dessert is, and or whatever your favorite thing in life. Don't mess it up. Make sure you stay keep things kind of in in a good place. Like they brought you in simply to be a great DB coach. And I think they had the front seven, the two guys that were defense coordinators were linebackers. You're supposed to be really good with the secondary. So I, I'm thinking they didn't want you to really change much in the front seven. It's more like help get us a better secondary. Don't mess it up. Stop with these all-out blitzes. This team is not this is not the team to be doing it with. Now, my my real um raw thoughts, man. Here we go. It's one guy out there in college football that's gonna make a lot of money. Still make a lot of money, but we won't see him in a bowl playoff game. And he's been talking a lot of junk. He's been cool and cocky. I think the glamour, and that's why people don't like NILs, is because of this reason with him. He is starstruck, starborn, but they're losing games. They, they didn't beat a few teams, but now they didn't lost back-to-back -back games. And his name is Caleb Williams. Caleb Williams I think USC, hang it up this season. It's over. <laughs> you're going to make money. You're going to sell tickets, but you won't see a title. And I already see it now because it's hard in college football. And I know next season, possibly, they're going to have a big playoff, like a like an NFL playoff I'm thinking they're going to do. But right now, it's over. You got the tickets. You're selling tickets. No national championship. He can smile. He's going to make his money. Win or lose, he's going to make his money. But at the end of the day, it may be a time to where you might as well just forget it. Yeah, unless he's gonna come back next season, what else is he playing for? Outside of pride, character. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if he's gonna be the top pick in the NFL draft and listen to him the other day, that's another part. I'm gonna pick where I want to go. I may not want to come out because I'm gonna go to one of these teams. So now you then came up, Star Boy, saying now you're gonna pick and choose what team you go to. What they work at? You know, you can hold out or whatever and change your mind, but whoever's the first draft pick they draft you, that's where you're going. You know, they may move your trade, you may try to sit out. That's cool. Yeah, you're going to make more money as as in college right now than you would in a, on a rookie deal. But at this moment, what are we doing here, man? Caleb, um, logically, you need to keep playing heart, pride. You can't just let your team down. But at this point, USC, Lincoln Riley. You need to be trying to find your replacement for him. And I and hopefully he's not 
going to be starstruck like this guy, Caleb Williams. Those are my raw thoughts. So with that being said, Coach J, Roll My Sports is out. It's over with. Coach J, um, let me know where they can find you and let me know if you got anything else to say before we get off. Hey, man, you guys can find me on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, at Coach JR underscore Andrews, man. Uh, hey, I appreciate you having me on the show, man. I, you know, I always follow the show, man. I love your road thoughts, man, and uh, just glad to be here, man. And all right, that's it for us, man. Raw mind, raw thoughts. You caught me tired today, but don't worry, the next show, I'm going to be loud and proud. It's a great <laughs> intellect show to teach you guys about the breakdown of stuff, not necessarily just about my raw thoughts, but give you two sides, give you the numbers from Coach J and giving my raw thoughts, which means raw mind, raw thoughts is out.